0: This is episode 10 of Eat, Play, Sex. Here's a hot highlight for what's to come.
1: Absolutely. Um, That's something that a lot of of men will do if they have issues with uh, keeping an erection. They'll focus on their partner, and in that case, the pressure leaves from them and all the focus on them to keep that erection. Because, you know, we don't think about how much pressure it is to have, you know, a a body organ that's so visibly aroused or not aroused, because women, it's not as as out there as it Hmm. is for a guy. So... A lot of men uh, find it helpful to focus on their partner and perform oral sex to get that attention off of them as they're feeling, trying to feel more comfortable and back in their body. Uh.
0: This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with your Queens of Climax, Dr. Cat and Die, The place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Side effects of this podcast may include more lovemaking, hormone harmony, spontaneous sex, exceptional orgasms, less sugar cravings, and more sex cravings. In rare cases, listeners experience a strong desire to try new sexual positions and lube with organic edibles. If you experience moods happier than usual, contact your Facebook friends immediately. Diane, your hair is the brightest pink I've ever seen in my life, I'm pretty sure. Yeah? You look, I, I don't know if it's a mermaid or if it's a goth mermaid or if you're like a cotton candy turned, I don't, I don't even know.
2: Don't be fooled, I had a stomachache and I just rolled around in some Pepto-Bismol. I... No, I didn't, <laughs> no, I didn't, it's magical. I, um, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a bright pink. It's like a magenta and I didn't even know what was going on. Identity crisis? Uh, yeah. A die identity crisis.
0: <laughs> part of me died and another part of me woke up. You know, it's amazing how we can go into the, like when we experience a lot of stress, we were like, I want to change something, yeah. something <laughs> drastic. I need, need, change my whole house, change my address, change my hair, change my... Get a boob job, maybe I don't know.
2: <laughs> uh, I got to change my zip code. Yeah, I know it's it's like someone said this a long time ago. And it really hit me because I'm a world traveler. I've traveled to like 21 different countries. And damn, girl. Yeah, blackjack. And um and part of me, whenever I feel stressed, w- just wants to flee the country. I'm like, oh yeah, well I'm leaving. It kind of goes back to when I was 15 and my mom was like, Diane, you can't wear that. You look look like a slut. And then Whoa. I'd be like, what? And then I'd run away. Because You'd I run felt, away. yeah, i to run away. I don't know. I just ran. Huh. I just go run and run down the street and there was no cell phones back then. So yeah. I just run to a pay
0: phone and call my friend, come pick me up. So yeah. Wow, that's really powerful. Yeah. It's amazing the messages that we hear from not only our family, but our friends and from society that, that, that stick with us. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think I was running from something with this hair. I think I was running
2: to something. And I think that to something is running to the real self, like, who wow. I really am, and not being ashamed of it anymore, and not covering it up with like, you know, the, the streaks of color that I think that is acceptable. I just went, you know, this is me. I like pink. I think it's fun. I, I'm kind of reverbing back to like what Dr. Namie and, and and you and I were talking about before the show is like getting back to kind of parts of who we really are, the playfulness that mm. who we were in, in high school before we started caring more about what people thought. You know, actually, I felt like in high school I cared more
0: about what people thought.
2: That's what I mean. Before, well, okay. 14 ish, I think is when I started caring more Ah. like 13 before the bullying began of, you know, you're flat chested or whatever.
0: Yeah. It's powerful to think about all the things that we've experienced when we were younger and how it imprints on our brain to influence how we behave in this world Mm. until we decide that that's just a story and I don't want it to be running my life and my behaviors and my feelings and my thoughts.
2: Boom. Just nailed it. So that's what we're going to talk about today in the show and more is that there's a lot of these things. There's a lot of insecurities within us that hold us back from our true self. In life, at work, in friendships, in the bedroom, there's so many stories that we've owned about ourselves, and maybe in a moment in time, like maybe a, maybe just a minute of bullying or maybe a minute of a family crisis that we just make up about ourselves and we carry with us forever, like it's this like heavy eighty pound chair behind us. So we don't want to feel like you guys are carrying around a coffin behind you anymore that you're feeling like parts <laughs> of you or, you know. <laughs> Dead. We want you to feel like the parts of you who are really your true self come alive. And before we even get into the show and introduce our amazing guest today, I just I wanted to take the time, you guys, to listen, to, to thank you guys for listening to our show and for leaving reviews on iTunes and telling your friends and your lovers and, and for trying a lot of the suggestions that we recommend on the blog. And that we're hearing really amazing feedback. On you guys trying like the love tonics and the and, and the hormone harmonizers that we're talking about on our on our show, we we hear you. We hear you're getting greater confidence and energy and sex drive, and and that is what we're here for. That's our goal. Our goal is to get you to eat, play, and sex better, so you can improve your sex life and life just all around. So, Cat, anything you want to say on top of that? yeah. Mm, <laughs> she seconds that motion so yeah guys um thank you guys so much we're getting a lot of private you know messages which is okay because sometimes these topics are not things that we're comfortable talking about because we're not talked about doctors don't talk about this stuff with us um sex educators are not uh, involved at high schools our parents don't know a lot of sometimes of what, what we're doing and, and it's there's a lot of discomfort around it so we're gonna take a lot of the shame away from you guys today and this is going to be for both the ladies and the men. So let's introduce Dr. Amy without further ado, because she's got a, a lot of amazing, powerful things to
0: say. Mm, I absolutely adore this woman. I re- first met her with through, actually, it was through a sex positive Los Angeles. It was at a luncheon, Amy, that we yeah, met you. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to our show. I'm so was stoked it, to have was you. Was that
1: or was it Lassa?
0: That's what it was. Lassa. Okay. Yes. LA sex people, professionals, (laughs) lots of sexy people. That's what it was. (laughs) So Dr. Amy Harwick is a licensed marriage and family therapist who works with a variety of populations of clients in a variety of settings ranging from private practice to community-based mental health. Uh, She's worked with all kinds of people especially with with sexuality and she's the author of the new sex bible for women how sexy is that i, I that. own it the
2: the bible. you have it dr amy i don't know if this is too much to say afterwards but i read the book and then afterwards i started playing with the fun toy that we got from the show
1: <gasps> it inspired
2: me <laughs> well,
1: i'm glad you were inspired to to be playful isn't that the the theme of this podcast is yes. to play
2: Yes, and to explore the depths of our soul that we might not even know
0: that are a part of us yet. So your book's working, girlfriend. And Dr. Amy, you've been on a bunch of TV shows, haven't you?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I've done a bunch of stuff this year. I was on, um, Braxton family values for, um, I think five different episodes. It's Tony Braxton's family's yes. reality show. So I was there as a therapist. And then the last, uh, the season finale, I got to educate the whole family about sexuality. So we did a mm. kind of a girl's education day and sat around in PJs and talked about love and sex. And I brought things like a show and tell toys and oh. kinky stuff to play with. And, you know, it's so funny when the cameras went off, uh, Tony Braxton was like, hey, come here, can I ask you about those things again? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, her mother was there, and I think she maybe is in her 70s or 80s, and she said, hey, Amy, can you come here? Can, can you tell me what you were talking about again? Oh, I love that so, so much. So it was it was a really cool experience to be able to to do that and, and have that forum of available to me, and I... I've done um, MTV True Life. I did a docu series with them um, on body positivity Ugh. that should be out this year. Um, that I was really excited to work on as well.
0: Such an important message to get out there to both our men and our women. Hmm.
1: Yeah, but that's such an important message for men and women. I think that men are underestimated what they experience as far as um, uh, body image, body positivity, acceptance. Um, yeah.
0: And how that impacts not only us in our daily lives, but also in the bedroom and, and with our partners and our comfort in our skin,
1: absolutely., I think that with women, we we do have a lot more resources. It's a topic that we talk about. It's on magazine covers. It's the topic of TV shows. Of course, the clients I worked with were were women on the MTV True Life mm-hmm. um, episode that's going to come out this year. But We don't see a lot of that with men and with women being typically a lot more social and reaching out for social support than men. When men feel this way, what do they do? So I think that that's something that that some light should be shed on to give empathy to to men that struggle with those things as well.
0: I love that.
1: Very, very important.
0: Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Amy.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to to talk to you guys.
0: Yeah. We always start our show asking our guests one of two questions. So you have the power to choose which one you want to answer. Power. (laughs) Power. Uh, Question number one, what is your most embarrassing sex moment? And question number two, what was one crazy diet or nutrition thing that you tried for the sake of your sex health or body?
1: Well, I'm gonna plead the fifth on the first one, <laughs> even though I I probably have a ton of uh of uh stories for you guys, but I'm gonna keep that to myself. Maybe your next book. <laughs> I, I like not just dis- I don't disclose as much about myself being a therapist. You know, I definitely don't in session. Maybe little sprinkles of who I am here and there if it's it's if, if it's relevant. But yeah. putting stuff out there even on this type of forum, you know, I don't want a client to hear and say, you know, I heard that. I heard that really bad oral sex story on uh, that podcast. How was that? So I don't <laughs> I don't typically do that. But I would love to talk about um, crazy diet and, and um, nutrition fads. Uh, before I was a, a, went back to school, to graduate school to, to be a therapist, I was in the fitness industry for almost close to a decade. I was a personal trainer and then I um, became a fitness director and managed and trained trainers for a big gym. And then I even did my own workout video that, Was very do it yourself. We build our own sets. It was all punk rock, alternative girl stuff. You know, it was a a punk rock, rockabilly uh, workout video. Because In that that culture, you know, it's it's you know, curves are definitely celebrated, but exercise, health, and nutrition typically aren't a conversation. And I wanted to make it part of the conversation because you know, there's no culture, subculture, or counterculture that. There's a benefit of being unhealthy, right. so um so I did that, of course, you know, I don't know how many we sold a hundred or something, maybe if we were lucky, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it was a really rewarding process, so through being in that industry, I learned and emphasized to others how fad diets are typically the worst thing you can do because any type of extreme change or any black and white thinking with anything is is unhealthy, so I typically try to stay as balanced as possible. But I do include my most favorite food group, which is ice cream, on a regular basis. Yes, yes, queen. That's <laughs> I might be my on favorite. an ice cream diet, but you know, <laughs> in moderation, small portions, and being mindful about it, it's it's fine. If there was an ice cream cleanse, I would be on it. Oh, I think you know what? I I take that back. I'm on a fa- I'm on a extreme diet. I'm on an ice cream cleanse. That's I <laughs> uh, can't hear anything. I can't hear. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I I typically will have like an ice cream or frozen yogurt, but like one scoop, maybe once every week or so. And you know, I really enjoy that small little bit of it. And I think that that's 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 the worst I'm doing. I'm I'm sober. I don't drink, so I feel like the calories that I would be taking in with wine and champagne. Uh, are now substituted with ice cream. So yeah, good and you're, call. And you're giving yourself
0: permission to be in pleasure and enjoy,
1: right? Yeah, that ties into everything else.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's like, it, especially when I when I work with a lot of women, the biggest issue we have is orthorexia, which is you know fear of consuming certain food groups that will hinder their losses or in some cases gains. And so now people are so afraid to do anything that it it bleeds into all areas of their life. So. So, way to yeah. go on the ice cream, girlfriend. Maybe we could bring some of that in the bedroom. <laughs>
0: hmm. Thanks. Ooh, ice cream in the bedroom. I like it. Yeah, cool down because you're so hot in there. So I
1: actually I went on a date recently, and I was I was spoon fed frozen yogurt. Um, it was actually a Dole, dole whip, um, which I learned what that is. It's like pineapple with frozen yogurt. Whoa! Uh, and I was like, okay, this is this is a good date.
2: Yeah. <laughs> He already knows what your needs and wants are.
1: So, yeah, he yeah. He fed
0: it to you. Did you did he also lick it off of you? That's what I'm wondering. No, on. no, we did we didn't go
1: that far yet. <laughs> it was like a, a a you know, initial dating experience. So, I think if he had suggested that I would be like, whoa, buddy, hold <laughs> on. Hold your horses. That's, you know, that's down the line." But it was uh it was it, like it was done very sweet and gentlemanly and, and you know, I thought that was nice. So, um, I think sharing, sharing food, I think is so romantic and so bonding for couples. It's something I enjoy to do with, with you know partners when I'm dating somebody or even with friends, like ordering different entrees and sharing things. And, um, I think that's such a bonding experience. So
2: bonding oxytocin through ice cream, the next book by Dr. Amy Hardwick. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of book. Okay. So I got your book last night and started doing some reading, And you're the author of The New Sex Bible for Women, which came out in 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, Really great reviews on Amazon, uh, really great pictures, and for me, really great information because... The first thing I want to know about this, Dr. Amy, and, and let's just, just dive right in, is Do it. When, when people come out with a masterpiece, like like, like your book, there's, there's something behind it that one day, typically we just go, i got to write a book. I, I, I need to write a book about this. I have a message. I have a purpose. And I have a passion that I need to share with the world because there's something that people aren't getting. And it, so I wonder if there was like a one thing or a one day or a one snap moment where you're just like, i got to write this book. And here's the message that I want to convey.
1: Um, you know, when I was approached by the publishing company to write that book, I they said, "What would you like to write about?" And I said, "I'd like to write about the history of feminism and sexuality, and include all these great historical facts and how that's relevant to women now, and empower them through these stories." And and they said, "Yeah, I don't know how many people would want to read that, but you, <laughs> yeah, oh, um, I would." <laughs> What? I mean, who, who I doesn't read, who read about Cleopatra's sex life? I do. Yeah, right. Me. Um, but they, they said, we need something more broad. So how about this? We have a sex Bible series, and you can, you know, write the one for women. We had one in the past. It's very outdated. So start from scratch. This is what we want you to do. But you have free reign on anything you want to do with it. And we'll kind of tailor it to, you know, uh, you know, cut things back or, or tell you if we want more or less of something. So I was able to write a kind of 101 book with an, a feminist, therapeutic tone to it, which was extremely rewarding to be in a position to do that. You know, I think that if I was left to my own devices, I'd probably just want to write about strange, bizarre things and feminism, very counterculture, subculture, fringe things, which, is, which are my personal interests. But being in a position with this large publishing company where the book is very accessible, it's at all, every Barnes and Noble... Um, major bookstores and being able to have that voice that's accessible on a bigger scale was so validating and rewarding um, to have the opportunity to do that so I definitely used that and snuck in little things here and there in the book that maybe aren't in every other book that you would see that's in a similar fashion so that was exciting
0: Dr. Amy's super sneaky she slides slides it in oh I thought we were talking about our sex life (laughs) <laughs> Wait, so
2: Dr. Amy, what was, what was, if you could summarize the outcome of like what gets you jumping out of bed in the morning to help clients, patients,
1: um, you guys call them patients since you say doctor? I call mine clients. Do you say? I, I call them, you know, that's an, an interesting thing. I call them clients mostly to, when I engage with them about it, sometimes I use it interchangeably because when I call insurance companies to, hmm. to deal with payments and things like that, they'll refer to them as patients. But essentially they're a client, they're employing your services yeah. and you're giving a service to them. They're not, you know, they're not coming in sickly. I don't have clients that are, I'm in private practice. You know, the clients I work with are generally pretty high functioning with anxiety, depression, um, change of a stage of life changes, some sexuality, either concerns or, you know, a positive sex positive, um, topics they want to talk about. So my clients aren't walking in, uh, you know, hobbling and ill looking and, you know, they're, they're typically (laughs) the act person, you know, walking down the street. So, um, so I usually refrain from pathologizing, I think by using patient, because I think that sounds like they're sick. Yeah, they're there. well said. Um, so client, client typically um, would be what I would use.
2: Sometimes I get love sick, and I look like a zombie walking on the street because I don't get enough oxytocin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not with your pink. Hair. <laughs> no, they. That's pink- a fun love. That's a fun sickness um, yeah. <laughs> to have. <laughs> so, so get up.
2: I I want to know, um, Doctor Amy, what are what is one of the biggest challenges that you see today in your industry? that you find that you're answering the question more than anything else that maybe you even answered in that book?
1: I think that especially when people know that I work with like sex therapy and sexuality, uh, people might be like, well, what's the biggest thing people come in for with sexuality? You know, is it because they're, uh, sex addicts? I think I hear a lot of comments about sex addiction being when people know that I work around sexuality And I try to dispel myths about that. So that's not something I touch on too much in the book because the book is really a one-on-one and more positive solution-focused stuff and education. But I I get a lot of questions about sex addiction because it's so pop culture right now. Yeah. so, I, uh, I I usually dispel that by talking about compulsive behavior and that it's not something that's really diagnosable. And we have to be really careful how we label people with those types of behaviors because it's so common on TV that we hear and see this. And um, so, I kind of dispel that and normalize some some compulsive behaviors as compulsive and not addictions necessarily, when we're talking about them and not in a therapeutic setting. Mm. So that's what that's what I think I hear most when when I tell people what I do. There's a very uh,
0: positive spin that you put on sexuality. It sounds like you expand people's ideas, giving them permission to to be sexual.
1: Right, and that's that's what the book is. It's normalizing um, sexuality, so it's permission mm-hmm. to be sexual, permission to be yourself, as long as you don't hurt somebody else. Um, I uh, I have a uh, there's a phrase that's used a lot in the kink community, which is safe, sane, and consensual, and I like to use that a lot. Just in normal practices with people, you know, if what you're doing is safe and it's of a sane mind and you're consenting with other adults, it's fine. It's okay to do it. Um, so it's giving that permission to people for them to be themselves, whether that's something um, as as major as you know going to a lifestyle party or or trying out a whole new lifestyle behavior, or it's something as minor as experimenting with with self love and and touch and masturbation. Um, so it's just permission, permission giving, and normalizing.
2: Hmm. I like the normalizing part. I mean, I like being weird, but I also like the fact that um, that sex is, should just be like brushing your teeth. It shouldn't be this thing. And and I've I've heard a lot of shame since I was a kid too about the the concept and the, and those kinds of um, traditions and values get passed down uh, and to the next generation. So you know, I believe that in genetics now there's a really cool study. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but it's a, it's a new field of science. And that is that our trauma gets stored in our DNA cellularly from stories of our ancestors. And those just keep getting passed down. So, you know, we could take a lot of supplements and do a lot of like talk therapy, but until we actually get to the root of all of that, we can actually inherit the, the shame wounds of our ancestors and, and it could be from anything. So, um, I wanted to ask you the question too about that, you know, around that. If someone is carrying some shame or a story potentially, one of the things that I hear a lot in my practice, Dr. Amy is, and this is so traumatizing for me to hear, it's dead down there. I hear women say that it's just dead down there.
1: There's, there's a few different parts of that statement that upset me when you hear that, or that make me feel concerned. And, um, first of all, saying your, your vagina dead or your vulva's dead is, uh, that's an unfortunate and that's a very extreme perception. And if you're feeling that way, that's going to make it that much worse. You know, if you feel like it's dead, it's killed off. Um, and then the other thing is down there too. I I feel like we, we refer to our down there or, um, you know, we don't label or name our parts a lot. Uh, and I think as women, we, we should practice that a little bit more, uh, being comfortable talking about body parts and everything. So I think that's unfortunate that, that that's, an experience a lot of women are having, but I think a lot of that's doing due to lack of education um, about what, what it would take to revitalize or revive it.
0: Yeah. Or even education about our bodies in general. Like people don't know how our bodies that we are in every single day, how it actually functions.
1: Mm -hmm. So education, whether that's like nutrition based education or um, anatomy, physiology, sexuality, normalizing, uh, being in therapy, reading books, you know, it's, allowing yourself to, um, expose yourself to that type of knowledge and support because nothing, you know, it it doesn't typically die off down there. We're not getting, I don't know, like gangrene or
2: I know, (laughs) like bring a vagina (laughs) coffin over here.
1: (laughs) I'm sure that could happen in some sense, but typically when people are saying this, that's not what's going on. Usually it's my sex drive is actually low or I'm not feeling that I'm lubricating enough or my desire is, is, has been affected in some way or I'm uh, having pain during intercourse, um, or I'm not comfortable with my body. So I think that it's dead down there. Statement actually is a, it's a disguise for other things that people maybe are afraid to say or can't identify that, that are the actual issues.
0: Wow, yes. And when we know how our body functions, we can better tend to it. And I the thing that comes to my mind is foreplay. And how many people cut foreplay from their sexual play because... They th- want to get straight to the orgasm, or they want to get straight to the main event or the the climax. But <laughs> they forget that the whole thing is sexual, or you know, is play. It's all the same event. I mean, even con- <laughs>
2: even concerts. Like I went to watch. Oh, I went to watch Snoop Dogg this weekend in
0: you Palm want- Springs.
2: I forgot to tell you guys. Snoop Dog. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. I went to go see Snoop Dogg. He says, bring your green hat, and I brought my pink hair. So um I went to a <laughs> reggae concert, reggae festival in Indio, you know, where all the beautiful polo fields are and everything. But you know, the reason I even brought that up was because you guys were just talking about um about the the concept of acceptance, the concept of being dead down there, playing and getting out. So I was out playing myself and just running around wearing my unicorn hat. Um but foreplay foreplay every concert even before snoop was on there was three headliners yeah so there's there's foreplay at concerts before the headliner goes on
0: (laughs) so you're getting warmed up you're getting warmed up you're playing yeah you're playing you're getting excited about the headliner or you can be bored yeah show up late and then be not matching or congruent with everybody else yeah. who's raging and having a great time, but vibe. you are just sitting there being a party pooper. Yeah. Not in it. Yeah.
2: Nothing. No, no drinks. No, nothing. There's, there's just, there's no, there's no settling into the moment. And so I think that we don't realize that everything, most things in life have a warm up, Even before you warm up for a soccer game or, or whatever sporting event you're warming up. So can we please talk about the sexual warm up? As in, like, maybe, you know, some of the things you were talking about in the book, Dr. Amy, I thought was really cool. Like, you know, t- can we talk about nipples? Can we talk about the nipple, you know, connection to the vagina and and how those two have a freeway connection to each other? And maybe men don't even realize, I mean, everybody loves boobs, but, like, what can they? What can we do with these beautiful things that, and here I said things. What should I call them?
1: Boobies? Uh, breasts. Uh, <laughs> breasts. Whatever you want Our nipple to call or Nipples. Nipples.
2: Oh, I need to, I need to work on that. What so, do you
1: want to call them that empowers you?
2: Yeah. I, have
1: I to think I think that's about something that. for everyone to think about. Like what empowers yeah. you with, I, I, you know, again, I feel like I keep dropping this. I'm recently back on the, in the dating situation and <laughs> situation <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting because. You know, you when you first meet someone new, you want to think about what what language do they use? What language do you use? What's, go, you know, do you talk about language before you say it? Um, I'm very clinical all the time. And that sometimes is off-putting to people that I'll use clinical terms for body parts rather than like, you know, I don't know how, how vulgar I can get on this podcast, but... You can get I'll, pretty vulgar. Okay. Instead <laughs> of saying like, you know, pussy and dick and, you know, words like that, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. say vagina, and penis. And, yeah. you know, uh, then I feel like I'm a, a teacher. I'm in therapist mode. But, but <laughs> that's, how communi- that's how I communicate. That's how I communicate. It's authentic to you. People, yeah. For some people, that's odd. For me, it's not. But everybody has their own way of addressing that. But you have to figure out what works for you.
0: So to help people understand the importance of foreplay, and I love this connection between the nipples and the and the vagina. Can you talk to us more about that?
1: About foreplay, well, the nipples and the vagina, so, you know, we have all these areas of our body that are very hypersensitive, and, you know, sometimes we can call them erogenous zones, or we can call them just sensitive areas. Some people even say that they feel like they can have orgasms from nipple stimulation, Um, but all parts of the body are sensitive areas that should be paid attention to, and all of that leads to further lubrication and arousal in the genitals, so um, having touch and having stimulation, especially in the nipples or other sensitive areas, will help lead into that foreplay um, period which will which will help the uh, total arousal
2: so you just put some ice cream on there is that you know
1: hey that sounds like a great idea no I don't know if I'd want that actually That sounds really cold sticky and (laughs) um, sticky (laughs) unless you're into that strawberries strawberries Uh, but what I mean think about there's so many things you can do with the nipples you know you can you know you can play with them pinch them bite them squeeze them, lick them, you know, the tease them, use hot and cold stimulation, ice cubes. Um, you can use uh, mm-hmm. even, there's so many like kinky tools that you can use that create more of a pleasure pain feeling. So, I mean, there's so many things that you can do to that area. Really, the, the possibilities are endless mm-hmm. uh, of what you can do with the nipples. What, what, what kind of ideas do you guys have? <laughs>
0: I, was, I mean, I was thinking of any types of different sensations, so like feathers or like fur or... Um, I mean, I, I like the the softer... Although no, oh, no, I like, like really hard, though. I like well, really hard sensation, too. But uh, what Depends. I think, yeah, and what I think about most... Well, and it also depends on your mood and where you're at. If you're really stressed out, your threshold mm-hmm. of touch needs to be a lot... Uh, Typically, it needs to be a lot harder for you to, to feel it mm. because because your body's tense. It's not as open to sensation as, say, when you're more relaxed.
2: Ooh, and I'll get clinical on this one, too. But, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so the word clinical can't apply to me yet. But um, we talked, I think it was episode one, Kat, when we talked about how women are in different phases of their cycle, and we have got four different cycles yeah. of our cycle, four different phases. And so if... I'm in my luteal phase. I'm rocking it. You know, that's when we're ovulating and that's when we're looking to find our mate. And so we're probably a lot more aggressive and we might like it a little harder at that point. And like mm. you were just asking Dr. Amy, what ideas like around the breasts and and I, myself, I, I'm always thinking about my partner when, when I'm um, playing And so I I like, you know, uh, the penis in between my breasts because I know that that's a sensation for them. And it's a sensation for me, too. And then there's a visual aspect of that as well. So um, that's more luteal and and maybe more, you know, in the luteal phase of my cycle. And other women um, attest to the same. And so there's three other cycles or three other phases of our cycle. And this is where women might feel like I don't have a desire right now. And this is what men need to understand, too, is that we're – or our partner i should say then when we're in different phases we have different desires and so i, I might like just dr cat said crave more of a soft touch when i may be in maybe i'm actually menstruating um and i'm bleeding that, that means you're bleeding and so i might want something more soft because it hurts you know when i'm when, when we're menstruating it there's a lot of pain down there releasing some see i just said down there see
1: see right yeah right see where 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 specifically is the pain, or where specifically is the area you're referring to?
2: Yeah, when when we're shedding our our uterine lining and we're we're bleeding.
1: So it's more internal. You're talking internal,
2: about. yeah, down there. Awful. Can't Vaginal. see this anymore. Vaginal.
1: It's, it's interesting. A lot of a lot of women don't know the difference between vagina and vulva either. So I try to correct them, um, which is always interesting. Again, with men that I'm friends with or dating, and they'll say something about. Some girl's vagina. I said, "Well, actually, you're probably referring to the vulva with what mm. you're talking about." And they're like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. So the more men I can push out there in the world to say vulva when they're referring to a vulva rather than the vagina, um, that makes me very excited too. I think it's to change that.
2: I think it's really sad that we know more about our iPhones and our computer anatomy than we know about ourselves.
1: That is true. That is true. So I actually don't know that much about my iPhone and computer, though, so I'm pretty cool <laughs> it's there, I guess, because I'm more well-versed in anatomy and sexuality. Maybe I can be deficient in electronics.
0: So when we're talking about foreplay, we just talked about the importance of the of our breasts, of our nipples, and, and our vulva. But also with all of these body movements that we can do, Amy, you and I both led retreats in you led one in China and led one in Thailand for the same group and in teaching women how to embody their sexuality and I, I believe I saw a video of you teaching them how to dance how to be in their bodies and dance I was over there and I taught them how to strip tease but can you tell me about your experience doing that
1: Oh yeah, it was it was great. Um, I actually went to China twice and I spoke to the same women in San Francisco prior to that trip. But when I was in China, they had me lecturing and teaching about sexuality and anatomy and safety, these types of things, of course, which are very relevant. And then I mentioned that I had been a professional dancer and then also I had a background in fitness. And of course they said, well, can you, can you teach dance? Can you teach some physical activity? So We had a great uh, workshop where I taught them some choreography that felt empowering and taught them just some basic moves that they can put together on their own. And we led a basic choreography class. And then we just did some freestyle where we just had a dance party. I love Um, it. And it was, I don't know how many women were there for that one. Maybe 80.
0: Wow. That's such a big dance party.
1: It was huge. It was a big dance party and we played just, Female vocal music only. Of course, I picked like rock, rock and roll stuff. So there's a, a singer named Dorothy that I really like uh, <laughs> out right now. Kind of like a Black Keys style, but a female singer. Kind of yes. Different. And uh, Joan Jett, and just like really strong, empowered, female-driven music. And we were all wearing like little booty shorts, sweat shorts, comfy clothes and tank tops, no shoes, and crawling on the ground, flipping oh. hair around, kind yes. of burlesque cardio I would say and they just had so much fun and later in the evening we had a lingerie dance party so I don't know what other academic trip I would be on where there would be a lingerie dance party at night and we'd put the lights low we had candles lit um we were all wearing you know kind of like bodysuit type lingerie with the robes you know Uh um and uh, there was a, a screen that they were dancing behind, so they used some of those choreography moves to dance behind a screen that felt less intimidating and perform for the other women. And the other women had the opportunity to validate and congratulate them on their on their dance moves and and willingness to be open with their bodies and and try something new. And and at the end, we were just all hugging each other and high fives and laughs. And there was definitely a language barrier, but that didn't stop the the positivity and the experience at all. So it was great.
2: That sounds like something that I went to on Friday night. I went to a burlesque show and they were doing the pole pole dancing there and they were smiling the whole time. And they're pinup girls. It's one of my friends, friends that choreographs it. And it was super fun. And everybody in the, in the audience looked like they were having a good time, including the women. And it's like, you see that, you see the look in the women's eyes and they're like, yeah, that's. I wish I had the courage to do that. You like, you can just feel that in the in the room.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's so empowering. What what show did you go to? What was it?
2: Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's a, it's a pinup. It's um pinup. Oh, I have to. I can't remember the name. Sorry. La. It's Is it's LA? it was in Long Beach. Oh. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm and Her name's Tanya. Of, those. Yeah, I used to be Tanya? involved in that circle. I love them. Her name's oh, Tanya.
2: Of course you would. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. I was smiling the whole
0: time and thought, I wish I could do that. Of course, we can. You can. We you can. can. I can. We can. And one of the things that I, from my experience in teaching the women how to strip tease is, it's getting a go- really good music that helps you to feel sexy. It's uh, dimming down the lights helps a lot because it grounds you down and taking deep, slow breaths before you step forward into it. And then also, I would say taking on a sexy persona, so thinking of a character who embodies Ooh. this sexual sexuality. Jessica
1: Webbett.
2: yeah, I want to be Jessica Webbett. <laughs> So, but I want to know, because I'm a, I'm a rookie at this and I know there's a lot of women who are probably wondering like, God, I've never done this stuff. Like what's my first step is like, what would you guys suggest is there, you know, I know there's like pole dancing classes you can take and you guys do things. So what would someone's first step be where oh. they feel like they could be in the, in the presence of others who are also beginners and they won't feel so threatened, you know?
1: There's so many options right now all over the place, but especially in LA there's pole classes, there's strip tees, there's burlesque classes um, even a lot of local gyms, I go to, um, crunch gym and there's, the uh, sexy dance type classes and pole classes at the gym itself. Wow. Um,
0: so I, I, I
1: actually really love Sheila Kelly, um, who was an actress that was in, um, the blue iguana dancing with the blue iguana. It was a movie, I think in the nineties where she played an exotic dancer. And as an actress, she realized training for this role really, made her feel empowered and in shape, and, and the mm. dance she learned were so meaningful, and she's one of the first ones to start the pole dance phenomenon with S-Factor, and it's, it is very different than some of the other ones. I like the more aggressive, like, get in there, put your stilettos on, look in the mirror. Like, you know, I, I like the more aggressive classes for myself, but if you're a beginner and you're trying to do something that's more intrinsically focused and self-esteem focused, um, there's no mirrors in the S-Factor classes. Half of the classes yoga and slow touch, you know, um, with, with the exception of touching the genital area, you know, you're rubbing your hands on your legs and up your body, and it just really teaches you to feel feel yourself and be present with yourself. And then they teach you some pole moves and dance as well. Um, but I highly, um, highly suggest that women that um, are trying this out, go, go in a direction like that that's very calm and reassuring and, and it has that type of support there. In fact, a lot of women that go to S-factor almost describe it as a therapy group. They, they they come to tears when they talk about their experience, learning about their body, and create a lot of very close friendships through it. So I think that one is, is a great choice for a beginner.
2: Awesome, awesome. Thank you for the notes. I took a lot of
0: them. <laughs> I actually tried, huh? She's over here scribbling away. She's like, and then,
2: and then, yeah. and then and then I can't read my own handwriting later on. And I go, what did I just write? But I did just think of something that just kind of came of, of what you were, you know, the, the tribe, the tribal of women is is I, I just wrote down, get present with your body because it's a gift. Um I,
1: I like that you just use the word tribe. I actually I'm such a nerd. I love the love memes on Instagram. Me I think too. just yeah. I'm like there was a meme I saw, was like, find your tribe. And um, I have a, a, oh well, it's not so secret now. I have a, an Instagram account that's just positive chick stuff. And it's called Foxy Feminists. And if you want to go go follow it. But it's just all inspiring stuff. It's just memes that make you feel good or make you think. And Yay. there's one I saw that was find your tribe. And I think that's important to not just find your tribe and not as, as an exclusive group. Um, but, but be close with camaraderie with other women um, and try to create that environment in whatever way you can i i try to do it every couple months i'll have a women's lunch or i'll have a clothes swap party at my house and invite everyone i know and and just create that that support system for for other women um to support each other whether that's through exotic dance or a charity thing or over food whatever it might be um finding that tribal experience with with other women to uh support each other
2: operation oxytocin is what i call that (laughs) <laughs> connection, the love hormone. So, um, Dr. Amy, I, I wanted to also, you know, and perhaps this would be the third and final um, tip that we have for for people who are looking to spice up their sex life or their their connection to self, is you know what to to pony up on and piggyback on what we talked about earlier, which is it's dead down there. What I hear a lot of people say is that either from the male side or the female side is that when when she is feeling depleted quote unquote down there which we need to rephrase um, they they also i don't i don't know if it's their energy or their willingness or their closed mindedness or or a story that they tell about themselves that they feel that they don't need to pleasure their partner like in my mind i'm thinking well gosh if if you don't have the sensations if you don't have the desires then maybe you can work on you know pleasuring your partner Uh, And then that also might in turn pleasure you back and be a boomerang effect. So can we talk about how oral sex can be stimulating for foreplay and then also maybe a selfish, selfless act if you're not in the mood?
1: Absolutely. Um, That's something that a lot of of men will do if they have issues with uh, keeping an erection. They'll focus on their partner. And in that case, the pressure leaves from them and all the focus on them to keep that erection because, you know, we don't think about how much pressure it is to have, you know, a, a body organ that's so visibly aroused or not aroused with women. It's not as, it's not as out there as it hmm. is for a guy. So a lot of men uh, find it helpful to focus on their partner and perform oral sex to get that attention off of them as they're feeling, trying to feel more comfortable and back in their body um, to get a, get an erection. So whether it's a situation like that or, or even in going in either direction, I think that pleasing your partner can definitely make you feel more sexual within yourself. It brings you back to the moment, brings you back into your body, and I think performing, um, performing, giving, servicing, whatever words we'd like to use, uh, <laughs> oral sex or sexual behavior on others. Um, you know, I think that's something you should do for you. I talk about that in my book, and um, I I interviewed a, a bunch of different people for random perspectives. Whether it was like my mom, who's under a fake name in my book, uh, my friends. <laughs> Uh, some adult actresses, and it was an adult, adult actress I interviewed about about this topic, and um, she was so lovely. She sent me a 2 a.m. video interview after she was out for the night, and it was about an hour long. I said, okay, that wasn't necessary, but she told me all about how separate from working in the adult industry and in her own personal relationship, she enjoyed giving her, her partner oral sex so much, and that was her biggest turn on because she loved seeing him happy and just mm. loved playing with his his genitals and, and being involved with him in that way because that made her feel so close to him. And it was just such a great interview because I was expecting something related to this person's career in the adult industry. And she sent me a very intimate and loving um, and giving interview about her and her partner. Wow. But, so, But I think that performing or, or, or being giving to your partner is, is something that can give a lot of satisfaction to yourself. And sometimes that can be selfish too in and of itself. You know, so when we do good deeds or altruistic acts or even sexual acts to a partner that we love and care about, essentially we're doing it because we feel good about it. So yeah, we're helping them feel good, but we also feel good about it. So instead of um, thinking about it, like you're doing something for them, it's you're doing something for you and for your relationship and for your interaction with your partner um, that ultimately feels good for you and your mouth, hands, body, skin, nerve endings. Um, and I think we should, we should do those things for ourselves as well. Those uh, what seems like externally giving acts are actually satisfying to ourselves as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's keeping us generous with our partners, which actually promotes more closeness. Versus if we if we have resentment or or whatever else is blocking us, we pull away and we're like, I don't I don't want to give to my partner, which causes even more distance between oh. us. Oh, that's
2: such like a childish. No, that's my toy. It's not your toy. Yeah, that's like an unresolved stories. So. There's a couple more that I wanted to talk about. So can we hang out for six more hours, Dr. Amy? Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I, as I told you guys before, I have a very um, strange task that I have to do. I have to, go, I have to go pick up a coffin now. I'm not afraid to buy it. I collect strange things, and I had an impulse buy, and now I have to return it to the store to sell in consignment because I just simply don't have room for this bizarre item I thought was a good buy. Um, so I, I do have to go run off and do and, and do that i think you should well, use it as a coffee table
0: or maybe you should put a memory foam inside of it and just sleep in it i'm sure you know, all of your
1: dates would love it
2: ooh that's a good way to see if a man will accept you or not for who you are and your weirdness or
1: you can just date people that also own coffin
2: <laughs> question number 1 in the dating profile do you dating currently own a coffin
1: very small when you when you ask that question but it's out there i'm sure there's a dating app for it i'm sure <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wait, did you uh, say coffee? Are you talking
2: about star? Oh no, coffin. Okay, I, coffin. I thought I heard you wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're buying uh,
1: coffin. Yeah, it's just you know sometimes you just buy things when they seem like a good deal and you realize you don't have room for them and sometimes those things might be a real coffin. So um, I have to go handle this impulse buy and return it to a store to sell on consignment for me because Sounds I simply don't have room for it. But it would be very expensive to fashion it into a coffee table or uh, put the mattress coffins are not comfortable. You don't want to lay in it. You don't want to try to be intimate in it. It's Trust me, don't even try She's it. already
0: done it. She's already tried. <laughs> no, <laughs> already man. been there, done that. Um,
1: so, so I do have to take care of that task for the day. So my day is con- uh, consumed with this amazing podcast, uh, uh, retrieving and, and sending, putting my coffin in a, a safer place for it. And then I see clients this evening. So, So I will be fueling up with coffee to take the day on. But I'm so glad that I was able to talk to you guys.
2: Awesome. There's there's two more, you guys, and I, I highly recommend that uh, Dr. Kat and I both recommend that you go check out Dr. Amy's uh, website, her book. We're going to put the links below because there's a couple more in there that are just so important. Like the, the the fourth one that I love about what she talks about in her book is that variety is the spice of life and that applies to everything. I, as I say in nutrition, your body is going to get used to the same things over and over and then it's going to start needing something different. So um, hashtag beyond missionary. She talks all about that in the book and with pictures. So uh, if you're looking for some extra spices in your life, that is definitely a great resource, highly approved by Diane
1: Kayser and Dr. Kent Meyer. Yes, yes.
2: And then the fifth one, communication, right? I know you talk a lot about that too, is communication is very important. Communication is
1: so. the key to anything because yeah. if you're not talking about what you want or what you like or what you don't like. You're you're not ever going to be happy because you won't be able to ask for it. So I think as, as women too, we need to be assertive and ask for what we want and feel okay with that and not worry about coming across too forward or being the nice girl or being timid it's okay to talk about the things that you want and ask about them and educate yourself about them and tell your partner this is what I like this is what I want you to do is that possible let's you know let's, let's figure it out you uh-huh. know, you know,
2: Dr. Amy, it, I've always been a very direct person. And in the bedroom, when I say exactly what I like or how I like it, they're, they are so appreciative. At first, when I started doing that, I thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to think I'm too forward or pushy. And they're so grateful. So I'm glad that we talked about that as a closing final thought.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. I think that every little thing people can expose them to, themselves to, like reading a book, listening to a podcast. Taking classes, workshops, even just body body knowledge and and uh, awareness, talking to girlfriends about about things, every every little thing you do can get you that much closer to feeling more authentic and living a more fulfilling life. Whether that's in your love life, in your sexual life, in your just everyday life, so um, definitely uh, reach out to to every form of education and support that you you can just to to live more authentically.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And we want to thank all of you lovers who are listening in today with Dr. Amy Hardwick, who is our amazing sexy guest. Leave us a review on iTunes. We want to keep this your show. So let us know what you think and what you would like to see more of. Bye, lovers. In the meantime, stay sexy because sex Sex matters. matters. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out catmeyer.com or dianekazer.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.